It was, oh man, last week was awesome. And our goal was 45,000 meals. We would have got it, but they ran out of rice for those of you guys who are here. But we did an awesome, we did all the rice we had. Like we packed everything. So thank you guys for, for that. It was awesome because we are about bold outreach here because we are boldly sent to seek and love the lost. Well, I want to introduce someone to you. You might recognize him from a couple weeks ago, but this is Sam Fisher, who is our new worship director, and uh, he's going to be doing some outreach stuff as well. He's going to be coming on staff here. Um, January 9th is going to be his first Sunday, but make sure you guys say hi and welcome Sam to the family. Here. So, all right. Thank you, Sam. Um, well, great. Um, so we are in our series on miracles, and I do hope that you guys are inviting people um, this Christmas Eve, make sure you guys take this card and invite someone because it's going to be awesome. Send them an email, invite, text, invite, whatever it takes, right? Um, uh, RiseDenver.com slash Christmas, you can share the info from that link as well. Well, I'm so glad that you guys are here when we are talking about miracles, and, and I hope this series has challenged some of us in our faith. Um, even if, if you didn't believe, hopefully you begin to say, well, could they happen? Could miracles actually still happen today? And if you are a believer, hopefully we've challenged you to grow in your faith. And that's what today's message is all about. I want to tell you about a woman named Marie to start out. A story about Marie. And Marie had been suffering for a lot of years with a lot of pain. She was having a lot of abdominal, abdominal pain. But because she lived in a remote village in the Philippines, there was no one to treat her. But there was a mission trip uh, from the United States led by one Dr. Michael Hussey, a doctor out of Chicago. And Dr. Hussey um, was an OBGYN, board certified, as well as a surgeon. So he was going over with his team. And though there were a lot of different doctors on the team, when they got to the Philippines, they all split up to go to different hospitals. So he went to this hospital in this remote village that was far from everyone else. And he was the only doctor there, the only surgeon. And there wasn't even any nursing staff to help him at this tiny little hut of a hospital where he said that there was um, some surgical instruments from the 1960s, and that's all he had. And he saw this Marie, and, and he didn't even have like a, a nurse to assist him with the surgery. He said it was just a few of the Philippine technicians who, who could help him with basic tasks. And when he saw Marie, he knew very quickly that she was going to need surgery and that she had some kind of tumors growing inside of her uterus. So he um, had her prep for surgery, and when he did the incision, everything was starting out fine. He could tell very quickly that, yes, there were some very large tumors growing inside of her uterus that needed to be removed. And he didn't know if they were cancerous or not because he didn't even have an ultrasound there in that clinic. But um, he, he began to operate, but he, he realized that things were way worse than he initially thought because she had a whole bunch of cysts all over her ovaries. And on top of that, she had had untreated endometriosis for years. And because of that, there was scar tissue all over everything. It's something that um, he referred to and, and doctors refer to as um, a frozen pelvis because there's so much scar tissue over everything. And one of the main issues with this type of surgery in that condition is that you can't see the important blood vessels that are going into the uterus. So in case of bleeding, things can get very bad, which is exactly what happened. He began to do the operation, and she was bleeding, and at first he was able to cauterize the blood vessels, but then she began to bleed even more and even more, and, and soon the whole um, cavity filled with blood, so he called for a blood transfusion. The only problem, the nearest blood bank was 20 miles away, and there was no way possible to get blood in time. And he was trying to figure out what to do because he couldn't see to, to get to the uh, blood vessels so that he could close them up. 
and he started calculating in his mind how long she had before she bled out to death. He looked at the the Filipinos who were helping him, and they were wide-eyed because they were looking for him to know the answer, except he didn't know what to do. He said in that moment, he closed his eyes, and he whispered a prayer. He said, God, I am your instrument, and you are the healer. This is your patient. Please take over. Amen. And when he opened his eyes, he saw that the scar tissue, which had been blocking his visual to be able to see the blood vessels, had fallen away. He was able to see what he needed to do to tie up both the the blood vessels, to close the wounds, to finish the surgery, and for Marie to fully recover from that surgery. He said all the Filipinos looked at him as if he had performed a miracle and he had no idea how it had happened. He said that simply he had become the first assistant to an eternal surgeon. He declared it had to be a miracle. Now, this story is told uh, in a book. I wanted you you guys to see this. It's called Physicians' Untold Stories, but the subtitle is what I think is great. It says, Miraculous Experiences Doctors Are Hesitant to Share with Their Patients or Anyone. That this book is filled with stories like that that cannot be explained in the natural or scientific realm. And all these stories told by many different physicians are of miraculous events. And I think it's so fascinating. I have the link to this book as well as all of the different things I've referenced in this series at arisedenver.com slash miracles if you want to read any of those articles, books, or watch some of the videos that are referenced there. Because God is the God of the impossible. And that God is still at work today doing miracles. He's still at work today. And that's what I've challenged you guys to believe. In the first week, I've said, hey, some of you need to just open up your mind to the possibility maybe God could do miracles. And I just challenged everybody to ask, like, God, show up in my life. Do some cool stuff. I want to see some miracles. And it was just a simple prayer I asked everyone to do. And that was in a message called The Unbelieving Believer, because I think a lot of us here as American Christians, we say we believe in God, but we're like, yeah, could he really do that? Does he really do that? Um, And then I I challenge you in the next week to start praying for specific things, right? to start praying for specific things, to write them down, to actually see, is God answering prayers today? Small things even, like the young girl I told about who, who prayed for a parakeet, <laughs> and a parakeet showed up the next day. And, and with those specific prayers or whatever you are, I hope that you continue to write down your prayers. I, I have a little app I use called Echo to have my prayers, and already since we started this series, I've seen a few different prayers be answered. And I'm excited to see even more, and I hope that you guys are beginning to see some of those things answered as well. But today, I'm going to challenge you to pray for some big things, huge things, impossible things, to ask big. Because our God is the God of the impossible, and nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible for God. And that's what he wants to teach each one of us, that hopefully, whether we have just a little inkling of faith or no faith at all, or whether we've been a believer and we do pray for miracles, we've seen some of them, that I hope that our faith could grow and grow and grow and we could pray for and witness God doing some amazing things in our lives, in our community, and in our world. So that's what we're going to challenge you guys to do, to ask big today. So we're going to be looking at another one of the Christmas miracles, maybe the essential one that we, we love in Luke chapter 1, um, and the, the story starts in verse 26, so if you have a Bible, you can flip open with me to Luke chapter 1, verse 26. If you have a phone or 
an iPad, you can open up the YouVersion Bible app. And if you look on the more, which is on the bottom right-hand side of your screen, click more, and then event, you can find the Arise Church Denver event, and you can take notes and look at the scriptures that we're going to look at together today. And in this story of Luke chapter 1, an angel comes to a young woman named Mary. Mary was probably a teenager at the time, and she was engaged to a man by the name of Joseph. But they did things right, and they hadn't slept together before marriage. They hadn't had sex. And yet this angel comes to Mary and says, you're going to get pregnant. You're going to get pregnant, and it's not just going to be any pregnancy, because the child you will carry will be named Jesus, and he will be the Savior, the Messiah we've been waiting for for hundreds and thousands of years. So she then asks the question, which anyone should ask after they were told something like this. In verse 34, we'll pick this up. How will this be? How will this be? Now, we're told in a little bit that this isn't a question that she's like doubting or lacking in faith. In fact, she does have faith. However, she's just wondering, how is that possible? Because I know how babies are made, okay? A lot of people look at the miracles of the Bible, and I've said this over and over again, and they're like, oh my gosh, they just believed everything back in the day. They weren't very smart. It's not true, okay? They knew how babies were made. And that's why this is such a crazy thing. And and Mary's like, okay, I know that I haven't been with a man, so how am I going to get pregnant, Mr. Angel? Gabe? Gabriel? You know, How is it going to happen? It doesn't make any sense. It's not logical. It is impossible. So she just wants to know, how is this going to happen? Since I am a virgin, she says in verse 34. But the angel responds to her in verse 35. It said, he, he says, Gabriel, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. So the angel is saying, it's not going to be normal, okay? It's not going to take the sperm and the egg the normal way. There's the Holy Spirit, and his power is going to come over you, and in some miraculous way is perhaps going to put an embryo implanted in the uterus. We don't know the exact specifications of how this happened, but we knew that the Holy Spirit was involved in a miraculous way, and this is different than anything else. See, even in Greek mythology of the day, there was this idea that the gods would come down and have sex with human beings, okay? That's where Hercules came from, if you didn't know. In, in Greek mythology, Zeus comes down, sees a pretty woman, boom, Hercules is made, right? Half God, half man. But that is not what is taught here. That's not what the Bible teaches, nor has it ever taught, been taught in Christianity. Instead, this is God, the Holy Spirit, in some miraculous way, putting a baby, a child, within the womb of Mary. It's impossible. You guys see that, what I'm, what I'm trying to get from you guys? This is impossible. It's not just unlikely, this is impossible. And yet, the angel goes on to tell Mary something that's so important that I want us to focus on for this entire message. In verse 37, it says, this is from Angel Gabriel, he says, for nothing will be impossible with God. For nothing will be impossible with God. I think he's trying to teach us here a deeper truth, that it goes far beyond this one impossible miracle, but that the God that we worship, the God of the Bible, the God of Mary, the God of Jesus, is the God of the impossible. And the angel's saying, not just in this one instance, but for this God, 
forever, for all time, nothing will be impossible. You guys see that? Angel is teaching us one of the most important spiritual truths there are. He's teaching us this theology that God is omnipotent, that nothing is beyond his power, that nothing is impossible for him. Now, I, I think this is, this is important for us to understand because we do think, well, how can that be? We ask that question. How can that be? It doesn't make sense. I don't see how that thing could happen. And a lot of us have questions about things like that. How, how could that surgery happen and be successful? How could that happen? And it's okay to have that question because the answer is God does it. He is the God of the impossible. And I want you to notice here, in, in, in verse 37, it says, for nothing no thing will be impossible for God. Now, if you're noticing real closely, uh, I'm not referencing the NIV here. The NIV is the translation I use most all the time because it's like the, the perfect balance between accuracy and relevancy, like it's easy to understand and accurate. But I'm using the ESV here because in 2011, actually, the NIV changed the translation here, and I don't really like what they changed it to. Um, it, it, I'll even show it to you what, what it says in, in the NIV. It says, for no word from God will ever fail. And I studied this, I looked at the Greek, I was trying to read everything I could, and I still couldn't quite figure out why the NIV changed this, because if you look at the old NIV translation in 1984, they actually had the original, if we can go back to the ESV version, that's what they had, for nothing will be impossible for God. So why did they change it? And I couldn't figure it out, so I actually reached out to one of my old professors at Denver Seminary, Craig Blomberg, who's a genius, he's actually on the committee that helped translate um, the the, the NIV 2011 edition, so I'm like, "Why, why did you guys make this change? And he said, well, actually, it happened before I got on the committee, but he said, I, I can kind of try to explain it. And he said, well, well, what's interesting is that word, no thing. It is, say, no thing. It's a word in Greek that's rema. And rema could be translated as thing or word. The very next verse, it's translated as word. Mary says, the word that you have said, she believes it. But in chapter 2, it's translated as thing because the angels come to the shepherds and say, you've got to go see this thing that's happened in Bethlehem. It could be translated either way, word or thing. So that makes sense why the NIV might, might say word right there, but I'm still thinking, well, well, it doesn't quite make sense because he said it's actually a verb, and it, it makes sense to translate it as will be impossible, but in English, we can't say no word will be impossible for God. It just doesn't make any sense because how does a word be impossible? So he said it, it doesn't quite make sense. So I actually prefer the ESV here. No thing will be impossible because nothing... <laughs> Is impossible for our God. But what's fascinating is it does have that word, word there, because that's the way God does things. Have you thought about this? In the beginning, there was nothing, and then God spoke, and there was something. God said, let there be light, and there was light. Before God creates anything in Genesis chapter 1, he speaks And it's the word of God that brings his power for something to come to fruition. Now, I think this is the way that we can try to wrap our minds around what's going on here. This power of God that enacts things that are impossible to become possible because something does not emerge from nothing, okay? You don't remember that from science class. But for God to do the impossible takes this power and he speaks it. That's his way of helping us understand what's going on. So in the same way, what the angel is telling to Mary is that no thing, no word, no power of God is impossible. He can do all things. He can speak and make things come into existence, including the baby that will be in your womb, Mary. Nothing is impossible for God. And I do think it's, it's fascinating if we look at the NIV that no word, it, it helps us 
be reminded that that same word that was with God in the beginning and God spoke his, his power, and there was light, and there was animals, and there was human beings. It says in John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then in verse 14, it says, that word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. See, the word of God, the power of God to enact anything came down and became a human being. I wonder if in this verse there's even a reference that the angel is saying to Mary, the power of God that can work the impossible is going to be born inside of you. Jesus will come. The very word of God, the power of God in the flesh to walk among us, to live among us, to love us, and then to die on the cross for us to show that God has power even over the grave. Nothing will be impossible with God. His word can accomplish anything. So I want you guys to see how powerful this is. And the last thing I want you to notice from this verse, you look at verse 37. It says, no thing will be impossible. It's in the future tense. Did you notice that? I think the angel is telling Mary here and telling us in turn that God doesn't just perform miracles in the past. He's the same God that can and will do the impossible in the future. This is who God is. Why would he change? This is how he acts. In fact, in Psalm 77, it tells us about God's character. In verse 14... It says that you are the God of miracles and wonders. This is who God is. You still demonstrate your awesome power. The God who made the virgin conceive of a child is the same God that can work miracles today. His God is the same yesterday and today and forever. And he wants us to see that, and he wants us to believe it, and he wants us, therefore, to ask for miracles. Did you know Jesus teaches that? Jesus teaches us to ask for big things. I want you to see this in Matthew 17, 20. Matthew 17, 20, it says, Truly I tell you, Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And then what does he say? Nothing will be impossible for you. Same concept, right? Nothing will be impossible for you. Ask in faith for God to do miracles because the God of the impossible is on your side. That's what Jesus is teaching us. The word became flesh. He wants us to call upon the word of God to act in the world and make the impossible possible. He's challenging us to believe. And I think that's important for us. You know, I opened up with that story about Marie in the Philippines and a lot of Christians that I talk to, even, even believers, they say, well, maybe those miracles happen overseas. Maybe, maybe they happen over there, like, you know, because it's needed over there, but I don't know if that kind of stuff still happens here in the United States. But it does. And I want to tell you the story about a woman named Susan Semigren. And in 2004, Susan was dying of cancer. And Susan um, was not a believer in Jesus Christ, and I want to reference that back in just a second. She was a Jewish woman. And, but the cancer inside of her body had grown and it had spread, and it was to the point where it was at 51 different locations in her body. After a lot of treatment and, and everything they could think of, they told Susan, okay, it's time for you to go home to be on hospice. There's nothing more we can do. You're going to die from this cancer. 
Now, she wasn't a believer in Jesus, but she was a teacher, and some of the kids in her class said, you need to come to our church because we have a prayer night every week. You need to come to our church. And it was a church by the name of Anaheim Vineyard. And she decided to show up for the prayer night, and she had some people pray over her. And the first time that she went, nothing happened. Isn't that what happens a lot, right? Nothing happened. But she kind of felt loved and cared for. She, she thought, what the heck, I'll come, come back again. She comes back the second week, they pray over her, and nothing happens. But she said, okay, I'll, I'll try it again. I mean, what else do I have to lose? So she comes back a third week, and as she's being prayed over, she starts feeling something. She described it as electricity or, or heat surging throughout her body, and she said, in that moment, I knew I was healed. She told her doctor, and her doctor's like, wait a second, let's, let's check this out. So a week later, took her in for a PET scan. There was no cancer anywhere in her body. She'd been fully healed. And though she had come in not a believer in Jesus, she is now. And she's still alive today. See, these miracles still happen today, and if you do go on our website, arisedenver.com slash miracles, you can hear some of these stories. You can read about them, some that are documented like this one in the medical literature. It's, it's fascinating um, that God works in these miraculous ways still today, isn't it? And that's why I want to encourage you and challenge you to pray big, to ask big. Ask God to do incredible things that you think are impossible. And did you notice in this story and, and with what Jesus said in, in Matthew 17, 20, I want to look at this one more time. In Matthew 17, 20, did you know what Jesus said? He said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, nothing will be impossible for you. He didn't say, if you have a ton of faith, if you could just summon it up and be like, oh, I'm on top of the world. I believe God can do anything. Yes, I fully believe. Then you'll have your miracle. It doesn't say that, does it? If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, and a mustard seed was the smallest seed in the ancient world that was known. The tiniest amount of faith. Do you know why? Because it doesn't matter how much faith you have. It matters who you have faith in. It's not about the substance of your own faith, but the object of your faith. And this is what we don't really quite get when we talk about faith, because we do think it's this faith, this substance, it's like the, the force. Use the force, right? That, that's what we think is, is faith, but it's not like that at all. Faith is trust. And I want you to just imagine you're going up into the mountains because it's probably not going to happen in here this December, and you see an icy lake, okay? And maybe we'll have some icy lakes here in a little bit, but there's an icy lake, and you see it, and you're like, could I walk on this ice? If you're thinking about that, it doesn't matter how much faith you have in the ice. If you're like, I believe it, and you run and jump, whoo, okay? Or if you're like, I'm not sure, but I'll put my toe out, and I'll put a little bit of weight on it. It doesn't matter, does it? What matters is, is the ice thick enough to hold you up? It's the object of your faith, not how much faith you have. Now, I want your faith to grow and be bigger and stronger, but all you need is like a little bit. And if that ice is strong enough, if it's firm enough, it can hold your weight, can it? So whether you have a little bit of faith or a lot of faith, it doesn't really matter. And that's why even with that story of Susan, you can see someone who's not even a follower of Jesus, but comes in and said, well, maybe it might happen. And maybe she didn't even have any faith at all, but the people around her thought maybe this could happen. And then God did the rest. Because our faith is in someone who is strong enough to do anything. The God of the impossible. The God who can work miracles. 
And, and that's why I want to challenge you guys all to ask God for big things. It doesn't even matter. You just have a little bit of faith. You can think the thing you're asking for is impossible. Just ask. Just ask. Because our God is the God of miracles. You know, um, there's this quote from uh, David Foster Wallace, and he, <laughs> he said, I used to think you had to believe to pray. Now I know that I had it <clears throat> backwards, right? You can fill in the blank, right? You don't have to believe to pray. You just pray and then watch as God comes through, and your faith grows and gets stronger. And as you see prayers being answered, like small things, and then some bigger things, and then miracles and then you can ask for even more things, and you'll be amazed. And you'll, somebody will be like, I'm praying for this impossible thing. And you're like, that's not impossible. Pff, God could do that any day of the week. That's why we need to ask God for big things and watch as he comes through. Watch as he comes through. So what are you asking God for that you think is impossible? I remember being challenged to, to pray this back in 2008. I was in college, end of my college time, and and the, the, the Bible teacher who was talking to us was like, just pray for something big. Just pray for something that you think right now is impossible. And I remember writing down this thing. And I remember it vividly because of the way he talked. He said, you know, I had my impossible prayer answered. I was like, what? And, and it seemed strange even in 2008, but he's like, you guys got to understand this. He said, I, I was praying for the Soviet Union to fall. And he said, for years and decades, we were trying to get missionaries into Russia and, and different places of the Soviet Union. You couldn't. Um, Christians were getting persecuted, they were getting arrested, and they were getting killed. Um, it was a terrible place where it was illegal to, to, to follow Jesus. He said, so we were praying that the whole Soviet Union would fall, and that was such a crazy prayer because they were, you know, a huge atomic superpower, right? We know how crazy it is because in 1980, when our hockey team beat, there, beat them, it was declared a miracle, right? It was a miracle just for a hockey team to win, let alone for the, one of the greatest superpowers the world has ever known to fall. But that's what he said he prayed, and, and we know historically what happened. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall, or Bobby, our history teacher, right? That, that's what happened, and they took down you know, the, the Iron Curtain, and the Soviet Union fell, and a lot of the former Soviet nations are free now. And that's why we have missionaries like Crick and Mindy Poirier and Beth Ann Erickson in Estonia, which is a former Soviet nation. By the way, Beth Ann is going to be here in January, be here January 16th. She's going to be here. We're having a in the service, and we're going to have a special dinner that night. But we can do that now, legally, and out in the open, because that impossible prayer that this man prayed, and I think a lot of people prayed, came true. So I was challenged to pray something impossible. I'm not going to share what it is, but it is quite, I thought it was totally impossible back then, and it is quite possible that within the next year that this prayer is going to be answered. And I'll tell you about it when it is, okay? But I'm telling you this, like, I thought, like already I'm like, wow, God, come on, come through. You can do this. Because when we ask God for big things, he can do big things. When we ask God for impossible things, he can do impossible things. He can perform miracles. He is the God of miracles. Not just then, but now. Give me an amen on that one. So ask big. Nothing is impossible for God. Nothing. You can do anything. So what's your big prayer? In a minute, I'm going to ask you to write down the impossible thing that you're praying for. To write it down. And even if you're praying for it for years or decades, keep praying for the impossible things because our God is the God of the impossible. I, I preached a message on miracles. It was the very last message in our God and Science series. It was a message I called God and Miracles. Anybody remember that message? One person. Okay. Maybe two. 
It's okay. I was looking back at my notes this last week from that message. Like, you're like what, what did I talk about? I don't want to like overlap too much, but you guys don't remember anyway, so it probably didn't matter. But I noticed at the very end of the message, I asked you guys as a church to join Melissa and I in the miracle that we were praying for, which was for a boy named Xander. And Xander McNellis uh, is the son of um, some of my friends, Ryan and Hani. Um, Melissa and I went to, high, or went to college with them, and then we all moved down to Denver after college for a few years while I was in seminary. So we became very close, and we still keep up with them. And their son, um, who was not even two at the time in the November of 2019, um, was, was at the point of what seemed like death. Um, he had been born with some genetic issues, like very rare genetic conditions, and then he started having seizures. They ended up having to remove a third of his brain, and they thought he would get better, but he just kept getting worse. So in the summer of 2019, things were just going downhill, and I remember going to visit them at Children's Hospital here, and, and they got to the point where they, they said, well, he has this rapidly growing aggressive cancer in his brain. And they sent him home saying, there's nothing more we can do. Like no surgery, no treatment is going to work. The medication, the treatment wasn't wasn't doing anything. They send him home. So I remember that week asking you guys, like, they're reaching out to us, asking for a miracle. They're going to their church down in Highlands Ranch, praying for a miracle and asking for it. And I asked you guys to pray for it, for Xander. And, uh, <clears throat> and I was looking back. I, I reached out to them this last week, and I said, hey, could I share about Xander? And they said, of course, please do. And they sent me a bunch of their links to the Caring Bridge, where they've documented throughout this whole thing what has happened. And what's amazing is that same week that I asked you guys to pray... Um, and the doctors, it was like the, the day before Thanksgiving, the doctors were like, there's nothing more we can do, send him home. But just in case, we'll do a biopsy again. We'll run it a second time. Same tissue that they had run and said it was this aggressive cancer. Well, that Sunday night, she got a call from the doctor, and I, and I just want to read um, what Hani wrote about this. Um... <clears throat> She, she says uh, about that time, she got that call at Sunday night at 8 p.m. from Xander's neuro-oncologist. He told us that the preliminary pathology was coming back and that the biopsy was not cancerous. They had no idea how it could go from aggressive cancer destroying everything to no cancer at all. And yet for some reason, the cancer wasn't there. And she wrote, we got a true miracle. And, and Xander... Um, began to recover and to get healthier. He still has some other medical issues. But Ryan and Hani sent us this card in the mail just this last week, a Christmas card from there. And I pull it up on the screen up here too so you can see, um, if, if we have that picture, you can, you can see in this uh, Xander, now almost four, running next to his sister, Timley. Just a happy little boy. Um, and... I, I do believe that God answered our prayers, and for some reason, like, God allowed us to be a part of it. I know their church was praying, our friend group was all praying, so many people were praying again and again and again, and yet we got invited to be a part of that miracle. So thank any of you guys who prayed back then. Even somebody after the first service was like, Matt, I've kept Xander on my prayer list, why didn't you do it? He's doing better. Well, you can keep praying for him because he does have some other health issues, but um, it's just amazing to see God answers prayers. He does miracles that don't quite make sense at all. But our God is a God of the impossible. So ask big. Ask big. Ask for huge things. Ask for impossible things. Ask for miracles. And I had someone after the first service talk about the miracle of their child that, that they have now, and another person who's like, I think my marriage is back together. I thought it was on the rock. I thought it was gone. 
God is, is working in our midst. And I'm just, so keep asking him to work big. Work big. So would everybody just take a moment right now, take out a piece of paper or take out your phone, whatever you have, and I want you to write down an impossible prayer. Write down something that you don't think God could pull off, that you don't believe. Somebody in the first service came up and said, I, I don't even think I can pray because my dad is, is dying of COVID right now. I don't know if, I don't even have the faith to ask. But whatever the hard thing is, I want you to just write it down right now, that impossible prayer. Lord God, we come before you as a great and magnificent king. Large petitions we do bring. For your power and grace are such none can ever ask too much. And Lord God, we believe that. Even for some of us who don't, we have doubts, we have questions, Lord God. Would our mustard seed of faith be enough? Lord God, I pray that you would work miracles. I pray that you would do the impossible. That you'd show up in ways that are crazy, that we would have stories like the McNellis's, that we would be able to proclaim your name, saying, it doesn't make any sense, but God did it, because you are the God of the impossible. Now, if everybody could just have their eyes closed for just a minute, um, some of you need to put your faith in this Jesus, the power of God who came to live and to die for you on the cross, to forgive your sins and to give you uh, not only life here, but eternal life ahead. And if you're here and you're ready to make Jesus your Lord and Savior so you can begin to follow him, maybe you've already seen God show up in some crazy ways and he's speaking to you right now. If that's the case, I want to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior today. So please repeat this prayer after me. And if you're already a follower of Jesus, you can pray this with me too. Dear Father, I need a Savior. Forgive me. Save me. Help me. In faith I declare, Jesus is Lord. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your power. Help me to follow you and to believe. Now with eyes still closed, if you said that prayer for the first time, I just want to encourage you and, and, and just celebrate with you for this decision. So could you please just slip your hand into the air? Slip your hand into the air, even if you just have a little mustard seed of faith. Please slip your hand into the air. We had two people. Praise God. Praise God. Let's just give those people a round of applause. Um, Lord God, I, I'm so grateful that you're working in those people's hearts, that you have forgiven them of their sins and given them eternal life. And Lord God, we turn to you because you not only give us the miracle of new life now and eternity ahead, but you still work miracles today. And we pray that you would answer our prayers, do big things, do impossible things, because you are good, you are powerful, and you are the God of the impossible. Amen. All right, would you please stand as we sing this song, and, and Bobby leads us in this song, The House of Miracles.